It's a Friday, June 16th. Flames Talk underway, and welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe, even through employee turnover. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com. Yeah, it's Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're coming at you from our Sportsnet 960, Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Uh, it's a Friday, which means we are kicking off this hour by saying hello to our buddy Eric Francis from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. It has been a busy week, franchise. Eric joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline right now. There's been a little bit to talk about this week, franchise. What a week it's been. It seems... If it's summertime, then there's something to talk about, it seems. You know, with these flames, it's just uh, nonstop action. And uh, who knows what's next? Well, I think we have some guesses as to what's next, but uh, you can bet there'll be more press conferences coming up real soon here. Well, we've got a draft coming up now in less than two weeks. I am fascinated to see what we find out from Nashville uh, a little bit later on this month. I'm quite excited to be down there and and the action that could happen there. Uh, Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Jerome? Do you want to start with the coach? Do you want to start with what could happen? uh, Where does Francis want to start today? Well, I I think that the coach, let's start with him, because I think that obviously that was an important, shoot a drop and uh i think they got it right i have heard again people think that it's so underwhelming and i you know i'm glad that he's really done the rounds this week and been on all sorts of media outlets answering every single question and and just basically showing people uh you know how intelligent he is how well how well thought out uh, his answers are and uh, how cerebral this guy is uh, communication is the key, and that's why he was hired, because of his ability to connect with these players and build these relationships and continue to build them. And I, I think that, you know, I'm not sure what people were hoping for, like, you know, a big splash of some big name, but this is the guy who you and I both thought all along should be the guy. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and, and I think they nailed it. You know, I, I really do think they nailed it. And I can tell you from talking to people inside the organization, like the the culture shift that has been undergone over the last, you know, month and a half, whatever it is, has been like dramatic. Yeah. Pe- people in the Flames organization, and you could speak to this too, because you, you, you talk to a lot of people like I do in there. Like there is an air of excitement in that room. I'm not saying it's going to, it might not translate into success on the ice at all. I'm, I, that's irrelevant at this point. I'm just saying that is a fun place to work again. People are excited. There's a breath of fresh air in terms of people that are running the organization and in terms of the approach to running the organization. And, uh, and you know, I guess the average fan doesn't care about that, but I do think that that could translate into uh, to more success on the ice too if everybody is a lot happier than they were uh, the last several years. I, I think that it's important just to have, because what did we talk about throughout April as the season was coming to an end. How many times did you and I use the term dark cloud? And yeah. 
to, to no heaviness. longer have that dark cloud and that heaviness, yeah, hanging over the organization. I mean, I, I think it would just, that makes it more amenable to have success, whether or not it's a 1% boost or a 40% boost in terms of if you hate what you're doing and you hate coming to work, you don't do as good a job. And whether you're a chef, whether you're uh, a professional driver, whether you're landscaping, whether you're sitting in an office punching numbers into a spreadsheet or you're working in hockey, I think that's the same. You do a better job when you don't hate what you're doing or you don't hate the environment that you're a part of. And it became very heavy and very negative and very toxic over the last number of months, you know, five, six months, whatever it's been. So, yeah, I, I think it is important. I don't know how – I don't know if if Ryan Huska – I believe Ryan Huska is the right choice for right now on June 16th and June 12th. Yeah, I think he's the right hire like you do. I really, really do. But the proof remains on the ice when it matters for real in October through April. But to lift that dark cloud and to have a new excitement and new voices and and to just have a fresh approach, that that's really important. And, again, doesn't matter where you – slot it in terms of how much of an impact they'll make it'll make an impact i percent. I, it's going to make some sort of impact yeah and 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 another thing that you know <clears throat> it's tough to measure in terms of what it means but at the end of it you've got good people and i'm not this is not throwing shade on anybody else who you know tree living or Sutter or anything like that but ryan huska is good people craig conroy is good people you know, you've got a, a, a front office full of good people, and, uh, and and again, they had some good people before, but there's just a there's just a whole lot of positive energy right now, and that's uh, that's good because think about how much negative energy there was at the end of the season yeah. from those exit meetings, from talking to players. Yes, of course, everybody's frustrated when you lose. That just comes with the with with the profession, but um, there was more to it than that. You know, you and I talking to players, you know off the record for the last year and a half, two years. Like it's, it's not a place where you wanted to be. And and that takes us forward. Cause I know we're going to talk about Hannafin and, and Lindholm and some of these guys, but you know, it was openly discussed in that room that guys weren't coming back. As soon as they could get out, they were out. I can tell you that is a fact. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that, that the damage would have continued had they not made significant changes to change the culture. And so here we go. Now, the next question is, does it translate short-term in guys like Backman wanting to stay for a little while longer or Lindholm or Hannafin or any of those seven guys? We, I, we think we knew a couple that were probably going to stay, um, but I think the majority were gone. Now we're about to see in the next two and a half weeks, we're going to get some press conferences announcing either an extension or a trade for at least two very significant names. So uh, brace yourself, Lambs fans. And I know a lot of people are expecting. I, I think that there's people are fearing the worst. Um, we'll see. We'll see. That that will be very interesting. Well, it's interesting um, because the two that I think are most pressing, and this is no knock on any of the other names, but the two that I think they need to figure out in the most timely of manners is Lindholm and Hannafin. 
Um, and and the, the Hannafin buzz has been the loudest over the last week. I, I checked in on it earlier this week, and on Wednesday's Flames Talk, we talked a lot about Hannafin, and a good chunk of the show was was dedicated to it because, you know, the, the word that I got midweek this week is that, yeah, I think uncertain at best is where he stands in terms of his desire to want to sign long-term and to sign back here beyond the one year remaining on his contract. So, if it remains uncertain and if uncertain is as good as it's going to get, then I don't think that you can wait it out and risk it. I think, yeah, between now and free agency or now and next season or now in the draft or whatever deadline it is, I think you have to be okay with moving that guy. And so then it turns into the conversation of here's how I look at it. I don't want to trade Noah Hannafin if I don't have to trade Noah Hannafin. I want to re-sign him. But if that's not going to happen, I have to trade him. And so then you've got to maximize the return that you get. And I think this guy would be coveted by a lot of teams around the league. A 26-year-old defenseman with almost 600 NHL games under his belt who can play 22 to 24 minutes a night in your top four, can chip in with 30 to 45 points a year, can run a number two power play if he needs to, can kill penalties, He's like, this guy has skates like the wind. This guy's going to be coveted by NHL teams on top of the fact he's got an absolute sweetheart contract for one more year. Uh, no doubt about it. I mean, and the reason why those two guys top your list is because those are the two that you need to maximize the return on if they're going to walk away. Yeah. Um, it's a little different with Backlund because he's older, and that's the only reason. And, and, so if, and you're not going to get a King's Ransom for Michael Backen, but those other two guys, they're both in their prime. They're both underpaid right now compared to market value. Uh, to, to, you know, if those guys do decide to move on, uh, either whoever lands either one of them is going to get a hell of a value contract for a year, and they're going to try like hell to sign these guys long-term, especially given how much they're going to have to give up to get them by a trade. But I, the way I would put it with both of them is both need convincing, right? Like, I think in other cities, in other circumstances, uh, guys going to a situation like this, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm up in a year. I'd love to talk about the possibility of an extension. But given the, you know, the, the obstacles facing a Canadian market team in a cold climate without an arena, blah, 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 no tax advantages, uh, we, you know, these are all very well-documented impediments for mm-hmm. a team like the Flames. And, and I think that both need to be convinced that those are worth overlooking and I think that in both cases, there were significant developments in the last month and a half that can help the potential for them to come. The first is they're getting an arena. Now, the problem is it's not going to be three or four years till they get one. The second is that the biggest reason why they wanted out, Daryl Sutter, is gone. And it's be, they, you know he's been replaced by a kinder, gentler soul who these guys have better relationships with. So those are good. You know, but still, there's still a convincing process that is underway right now, not only do they need to be convinced that they want to be here for the next six, eight years, whatever the case may be, they also need to be convinced that the money that they're being offered is not, it's the maximum amount of money that they can get given their situation. And that's not easy either. What, what looks good to you on a Noah Hannafin trade? Like what would they need to get to make that trade one that ends up being a home run for them? Well, it's funny. I just I just filed a column on this uh, sports center. I know I read it. That's ago. why I thought I'd ask the question. Then I go, well, yeah. Thanks for putting it up on a tee for me. Um, but you know, 
I, I think that there's there's a comparable there, and it, 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 we could go through all sorts of comparables, but the most recent one is Ivan Provorov, who was selected only two spots behind Hannafin in their draft in 2015. He just got traded, a three-way deal, which complicates things, but at the end of the day, Philadelphia got back a goalie in Cal Peterson, defenseman Sean Walker, another defenseman held Granz, and a second-round draft pick. So, you know, I think that's a pretty significant return for a guy who I don't think anybody – well, I'll, you, you tell me. Would you rather have Provorov or would you rather have Hannafin? I, I personally think Hannafin's got a higher market value, uh, but you'd have to tell me. And the other thing is Provorov still has term left on his contract. Yes. Uh, but there well, also that, was that sal- there difference. was also salary retention there, which made it a little bit more difficult too, right? Exactly. So, so I, we're, you're never going to find a, an exact comparable. It's a whole lot easier to find a, a very similar comparable to me, the Bo Horvat trade, uh, you know, last year that the, the Canucks made with the Islanders. To me, that gives you a real nice template for what the Flames can expect at a very bare minimum in return for Elias Lindholm. I think the Flames would get even more because, A, Lindholm's a better player than Horvat, and, B, um, uh, lost my train of thought there. But <laughs> but he's just a – oh, and the other thing was, yeah, there was salary retention involved in, yes. the, uh, in, the, in the Horvat trade as well. So, uh, again, a little different kettle of fish, but at the end of the day, large hauls. And, uh, you know, I will say one thing as we look ahead to the draft. The Flames go in with five draft picks. I think that number could be up closer to eight or nine by the time the draft actually happens. Well, and that's, that's assuming they're going to make some trades. That's what I'm thinking. Francis is with us, Eric Francis Fridays. And, and don't forget that it, because it was such a stupid, complicated deal, they, the, the Flyers also got a first-round pick out of that. They got L.A.'s pick that went to Columbus in the Gavrikov Corpusalo deal that ended up going to Philadelphia. So they, they got a first and a second and all that that was in there. And and so that's kind of what I'm thinking with Hannafin, right? Like they, they get a first, if they could get a first round pick. And the other thing that I think of is the two big defensemen the Flames have made trades for over the last number of years. They made a trade for Dougie Hannafin, not Dougie Hannafin, Dougie Hamilton in uh, 2015, gave up a first and a sec- two seconds. Then a couple and years later, picked. the exact same price, first and two seconds for Travis Hamannick. That's what I'd be looking to get back for Hannafin if I could, a first and two seconds or something equivalent. Maybe it's not all futures. Maybe you get a first and a good prospect or a first and a decent prospect and a third or something. I just think you have got... A, a first-round pick has to be a part of it, and not even in this oh, year's yeah. draft. This year's draft, whatever. If you could, great, but if it's next year, that's fine. But a first-round pick for Hannafin has to be a part of it, if you ask me. I would think so. For both guys, it's a starting point. Like it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a very bare minimum, and then you're starting to talk about another top six forward in, in exchange for Hannafin as well, and a prospect. Like Anyway, it's, the hall would be mighty. Yeah, they're not easy trades to make. As coveted as those guys are going to be, you're still asking for a ton of assets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've got 31 teams that you can dance with right now, which is why I say that I do think you'll see some press conferences in the next couple of weeks uh, because these, they got to move quickly. Like it, uh, dragging their feet, and you know, uh, to me, if you get to July 1st and you haven't traded or signed either one of those two guys, for example, I, I think you I think you failed. Uh, I think you're too slow. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, maybe the only exception could be that they're in serious negotiations and they truly believe that they're going to be able to come to an agreement. 
uh, and there's still a year to do it. It's not like the Goudreau situation where you really did believe you were going to consummate a deal right up until the last minute, and then you ran out of time. You know, they've still got a year to figure this out, but this is the prime trading ground over the next two and a half weeks. So get the deal done, rip the Band-Aid off, start fresh next year. You don't definitely want to start the season with either one of those two guys being for lack of a better term, a lame duck player with only one year yeah. left and everyone knows he's gone. Um, you know, I, I think that this will, this will, this will be the first big test for Craig Conroy in terms of being decisive and, and, and being quick to act on a, on a situation that again, no GM really wants to be backed into trading away a top three defenseman and your arguably your best forward. Um, but you know, if, if that's what the situation dictates, you better do it quickly. You better do it decisively. And uh, you really do want to win that trade or at least, you know, break even on it. Are you with me in that if you had your druthers and all things were equal, you had a choice between signing Hanif into an extension or trading him, signing Lindholm to an extension or trading him, would you lean extension both ways? If Again, all things being equal and them wanting to stay, is, is the extension still the desirable for you? Oh yeah, okay. I mean, especially since this is an organization that's uh, that you know that's hell bent on winning now, which has been their mantra for forever, uh, for better or worse. And so that's the that's the that's the marching papers that uh, Craig Conroy has been given: win now. And with that in mind, yeah, you want to keep two of your most important players in there. But again, you know, we we say that uh, you're going to have to pay top dollar. There are no discounts to keep either one of those guys. Uh, I cite the example all the time about Huberto, like. They had to overpay to, to sign Jonathan Huberto to that deal, and 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 that's because he would, if he hit the open market, uh, the only chance the Flames would have had to win that was to overpay. That's how it works when a guy's on the open market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were other circumstances too where the GM wanted to salvage the trade and make sure he didn't just lose guys, so you had to overpay. But you know you're still not getting any discounts. Neither one of those guys is saying, yeah, you know what, I love it so much in Calgary. Uh, my wife loves the weather and everything. Uh, we'll take a little less to stay there. It doesn't work that way. You still have to pay top dollar, which means it may not be worth it. And that's another consideration yeah. here. Francis with us. It's Francis Fridays. Boy, these uh, next few weeks are going to be interesting on that oh. front. Um, right. What, uh, and, then, and then to wrap it all up in a nice little bow, Jerome, did you, were there any tears shed on, on Thursday when Jerome Ginla officially joined the organization? Because there, there were tears shed when he left. I just didn't know. You're hilarious, man. Uh, you know, that it was great to talk to him the other day. And- Wasn't it? It was, it was just neat to like, you know, I, I talked to Jerome when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame, and I know he was here a number of weeks ago doing a, a promotional thing, but like, to talk to Jerome officially back under the Flames banner, it was, you know, it was it was neat for you. You've been in this city for more than 20 years. For me, I've been here my entire life. Um, like, it just was neat to be talking to him again officially as a member of the Flames. Yeah, and he, he feels the same way, too. He's like, look, I've pulled for the Flames all these years, of course, but now I've got skin in the game. Like, now every win is a win, and every loss is really hurts a lot more. You know, he's got some investment in this now, so... And this is just the tip of the iceberg, right? I mean, this year it's basically just going to be a phone call away uh, every once in a while. And uh, I'm sure he's getting paid handsomely for each one of those phone calls. <laughs> but, but, um, but, but it's a start, right? And it's a start that never would have happened if you didn't hire Craig Conroy. As a matter of fact, if you didn't hire Craig Conroy, 
you're pretty much guaranteed you were never going to get Jerome McGinley to come 100%. back into this organization. So, so you know, just a really swift, smart move in, uh, on both fronts there. But he, you know, I just love their relationship. You know, I had fun with my column yesterday about Aginla and, and you know, th- it started with a fight. They, they'd never met each other. They were combatants against one another, playing in a game in St. Louis, and uh, Jerome beat up Craig Conroy. That's how their relationship started. Then he gets traded here five months later, and the reception is frosty at best, according to, to Conroy. And the quote in the paper the next day is, we got enough checkers, I don't know why we traded for another one. I mean, that's, welcome to Calgary, Craig. And then, you know, and then from there, it got a whole lot better to the point where I love the story, and I don't know if we've talked about it enough over the years. The story about how Craig Conroy handed the captaincy over to Jerome McGinley and how it was done in a sauna. And I don't even know if you know the story, but he, he basically decided he was going to go hand the captaincy over to Aginla, which was the right thing to do. Yep. Not a common not a common practice, but he just knew that it was time. And he went over to Daryl, and Daryl's like, yeah, I don't care. Do whatever you want. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, then, and then he went into the team sauna, and uh, Marty Jelena was in there. Jerome McGinley was in there. Craig Conroy's in there. Craig is kind of like, ah, oh, geez, ah, oh, geez, ah, oh, you know. Uh, uh, hey, you Jerome, uh, yeah, hey, what do you God, uh, Sorry to bother you, but um, it, it's really hot in here. God, um, geez, can you, uh, do you, would you be interested in the captaincy? And uh, Jerome was kind of like, uh, keep going, yeah, what are you talking about? And anyway, apparently, Jelena had to pipe up and finally go, just tell him you'll take it, Jerome. <laughs> <laughs> this is painful. Yeah, this is killing me, and it's way too hot. Should we just get out of here and uh, make the announcement? So, anyway, it's just a neat relationship. They're best friends. Their families are tight. Uh, they spend their Christmases over the years together when they were here in Calgary with their families. And I just I think it's neat that uh, that relationship, you know, it's kind of like the two guys from The Muppet Show, you know, like they're always going to be seen together now, and uh, that's pretty cool. And and I know they're really excited about all the conversations and scheming that they could do. And it took him back to uh, the days when he used to play. Um, uh, what, what, what's the name of the game? The Age Age of yeah, Age of Empires. Age of Empires. And I brought that up with Jerome yesterday. He got all excited. Yeah, yeah. Connie and I were always partners, but we'd fight all the time if we lost. And Goche, and he mentioned all these guys, Reggie, and it's just kind of funny. The, the way I put it the other day was the band's back. The band's getting back together. And uh, don't be surprised if two of the interviews they've already had for assistant coach are Alex Tangay and Mark Savard. And, uh, and, and, and that's not news to anybody that they, they've had some interest in potentially hiring those guys. Yeah. I don't know if Tangay would leave Detroit to come here as an assistant, but hey, uh, that's kind of the gang they'd like to eventually kind of bring back. And, and I also think it was kind of neat, you know, like when Husker was announced, they had three alumni members there. I'm not sure you all, you know, we don't always have that, uh, even at big announcements. Uh, Lanny came when Conroy was hired, and, and I, I kind of feel like by bringing these guys into the fold, these good guys that everybody in the organization likes, you're going to see more and more alumni supporting the team than maybe before. Not, not that they don't support them in spades already, but I think you're just going to see even more engagement, and that's kind of cool too. And then the the other thing, like let's also not forget that Huska and Aginla won two uh, Memorial Cups together, which is uh, uh, which is pretty neat. Or one Memorial Cup, I think it was two, wasn't it? Um, no, they won, they won two, and they actually were billeted together. Yeah. Uh, when when Aginla arrived at age sixteen, I'm working on a feature for next week about that. Uh, I spent the evening at uh, Husk's house the other night, 
and chatting with his daughters and, and, and the family. And it's, it, you know, there's a lot of really neat synergy going on here. Uh, and yes, Huska and again, they had dinner a couple of weeks ago at the uh, Memorial cup in, uh, in uh, Kamloops. And he said, it was like old times. They're good buddies. Again, speaks incredibly highly of Huska as a player and a glue guy when they were with Kamloops. And uh, of course, Huska speaks, Huska's got a couple nice things to say about it. Again, not over the top, you know. I mean, nobody really loves Jerome. Uh, anyway, no, he, by no they, means. They love they, they love each other, so it's great. Yeah, there's a lot of synergy. Uh, all right, we'll get out of here. Have a uh, have a wonderful rest of your weekend, my friend. Uh, we got a lot to uh, dive into over the next few weeks. We'll uh, we'll see if we have any big news when we chat again next week. Hey. Okay, my man. You take care. Have a great weekend. You too. See you, Franchise. Eric Francis, Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca, joins us every Friday, funny enough, on Francis Fridays. And he joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This hour rolls on. It's a Friday. It's Steinberg and Ryan Pike along with you on this Friday. We are uh, very much in NHL silly season. That's uh, I believe silly season um, is a Formula One term. It's the off season, and it's uh, the near the end of the, the near the end of the year, and then into the off season in F1 silly season about where which drivers going where. Well, is this guy jumping from Ferrari to Mercedes? Is this guy is he going to end up at McLaren? Where, where where will he end up? So silly season I first heard in Formula One circles, and this is very much more so than even the lead up to the trade deadline. This is the silliest of NHL seasons in terms of what you hear, what insiders are reporting, what scuttlebutt you see from different fan accounts of different teams on social media. So let's check in on on where things sit right now. Uh, Francis joined us earlier this hour, Pike, and we did talk a lot about Noah Hannafin. And where things sit right now is that it's a pretty uncertain landscape in terms of whether or not Noah's going to re-sign here. Um you know, I know that Pierre LeBron updated things Friday in the Athletics, saying that it sounds like he's not going to re-sign. Um, kind of jives with what Elliot said just over a, just under a week ago. What we told you on Wednesday on Flames Talk, where uncertain at best is kind of where things sit in terms of whether yeah. Noah is going to re-sign I, I th- or not. I think a phraseology used was on the fence, also on, or or on the fence at best. Maybe that's probably maybe a little bit too positive. Um, it just it feels like there is a more than negligible chance that Noah Hannafin is traded but before the start of next season. And if that's going to be the case, there's a pretty decent chance that might happen at the NHL draft and everybody's in the same place. And you can have those conversations face-to-face. All, all of why the NHL draft is such a hotbed for movement. Um, it just feels like there's a decent chance that Noah Hannafin gets yeah. dealt here. And, you know, we're at a situation where, you know, uh, 
you know, uh, both uh, Gary Bettman and the, the new NHLPA executive director, Marty Walsh, have said, sounds like, you know, million dollar cap bump for the year. Uh, you know, apparently all the discussions with the PA have been, uh, between the NHL and the NHLPA have been, hey, you want to you want to bump up escrow? We'll bump up the cap. And so far, the answer has been no, thank you. Uh, the NHL players do not want to pay more escrow. And so unless something weird happens or something changes very quickly in the next 12 days. I think the, the GM meeting that will determine the, actually the GM meeting, you know, will essentially cement the cap. Number. It'll be determined before it'll be relayed at the GM's meeting. Yeah. So basically it needs to be decided by a week Tuesday. So they have basically not very long to figure that out. And the people I've talked to in hockey circles are operating the assumption that's going to be an $83.5 million cap. And as a result, we're starting to see those kind of moves. We're starting mm-hmm. to see Vancouver saying, nah, we're good, and uh, buying out Oliver ekman Larson. I don't think it's been officially announced yet, but Elliot Friedman on uh, on his Twitter account on Sportsnet. We'll, we'll get there. But we'll let, get there. Let's... But everyone's operating. People are making moves as if they're not going to be much cap space. And you know, even even you know, Cap really mentioned on Twitter today. Uh, the if the cap is going up by a million bucks, that's thirty two million of money being injected into the system. But a good amount of that has already been burnt away by uh, bonus overages from the previous season. So no one's got any money, man. And it's going to be just utterly fascinating to see what kind of movement we see, especially with we've seen you know all the all the rumblings in Winnipeg that key players want to go elsewhere. Pierre Luc Dubois, you know, other in other places, uh, the, the stuff in Calgary. It's it's going to be wild because. You know, like no, there's a ton of moves to make, and no one's got any money. Well, and Hannafin isn't even a financially motivated decision as much as it is uh, trying to maximize on a player as much as you can. And Hannafin is the the type of move that I they would love to re-sign and and not have him on the trade market. But if we're not talking about a guy who has a large desire of signing back here then you have to move them yeah. and you have to, we're talking about a 26 year old that if you won't let walk away for nothing, in my opinion, that's poor asset management. Yeah. So you, you have got, so, and, and the good thing about Hannafin is, is that because his contract is so palatable and so reasonable right now, pretty much Every team in the NHL can fit him in in yeah. some form or and, another. Whether whether it's a, just, right hold on, just hold on. Whether it's a whether it's a, a a deal that is made with with a player coming back to help salary wise, or hell, even if the Flames eat half of the just under five million, like pretty much every team in the NHL will be able to fit Hannafin in for this year. Yeah, and especially you know even even with the cap not going up very much, uh, if you tell me I can get Noah Hannafin from you, and I have. What till October tenth to figure out how to fit him under the cap? Done. Just tell me, tell me where to sign up. Like if if I think that he'll help my team, and if I think there's a chance I can get him to sign an extension with my team, yeah, let's do it. So I think you know, especially doing it right now. I mean, you know, it's it's been mentioned. There's essentially just two trading periods during the NHL season. There's right now, and then there's the trade deadline. And the trade deadline, you're operating assumption where it's you're operating a situation where it's in season and. Even there's even more restrictions on who can afford players. So at this point, you, if you want to maximize as you know the return you're going to get for whoever you want to move, this is the time to do it because no one is feeling quite broke yet, and there's still another buyout period. Yeah, uh, there's still arbitration. There's still a lot of mechanisms for teams to get out from under contracts. Whereas 
if you do it in March, you're stuck with the team you have. What what is non-negotiable for you in a Noah Hannafin trade? For me, Ooh. a first-round pick is non-negotiable. I am not whether you're bringing back a roster player that can help you for next season or not. If a first-round pick is not included, set. I mean, aside from maybe one caveat, and that is if you're getting like a super high-end prospect on that team, yeah. That could, but a lot of times that doesn't happen. So let's I, I let's wanna... talk. Of, I think a first-round pick, whether it's a 23 or a 24, like to me, that's non-negotiable. Well, I mean, you're you're looking at you're probably thinking a first plus. I mean, you know, granted, it's sort of apples and oranges, and you know, it's, I'm just thinking of it because it's a, a recent Calgary trade. But the Tyler Toffoli trade, yeah, you know, the Tyler Toffoli trade involved uh, Tyler Pitlick going for cap reasons. But you know, if you look at that, the Flames gave up you know uh, a first round pick, a B ish level prospect in Emil Heineman, and I believe there's another pick on the move in that trade. There too. was, and it was a, a pick that. Um, they had to give up so to that, get them to take the, exactly. The cap so because pick. Tyler Pitlick needed to be moved to make room, Montreal said, "Okay, you got to give us another pick to make it work." So it was basically Heineman and the first for Toffoli, and then I think it was a third or a fourth that for, also yeah. went to take. So, Pitlick's it, so it essentially turned into a first round pick and uh, a decent prospect for a good player. I would posit no disrespect to Tyler Toffoli. I think you get more for for Noah Hannafin because I think Noah Hannafin plays a bit more. He touches more of the game. And so you're probably looking, you probably want to get a first and a couple other things. And I think the what a couple other things look like is probably malleable depending on the needs of the acquiring team. Maybe the other team goes, uh, you know, a little bit tight against the cap. Can you take a roster player back? Can you retain some salary? Can you? I think th- I then don't. You can leverage that for even more. Yeah, I I don't think there's any possibilities necessarily off the table for the Flames because you know I I think uh, I'll say this, you know, when you know Yusuf Alamanki just it didn't work out for him. It's just. He had some bad luck, but it's also, in the grand scheme of things, a first-round pick in a draft that didn't really amount to much of anything, and you got nothing back for for Yusuf Alamaki. Mm-hmm. So that's an asset that's sort of torched. Uh, the Flames, in retrospect, I think they got some good value for Sam Bennett, but they didn't really, you know, they they the pick they got they flipped and sent away for I believe that was in the trade that got them a couple of week, a couple months of Cali Yarncroke Yarncroke yeah and then Emil Heineman who they got from they flipped to Montreal in that Holy trade, trade yep. so I mean you know they if you look at the 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 first round picks the last few years you know they have the the recent guys who were starting to look really promising but the guys after that I mean 2015 you know they you know Kachuk they turned into a lot of stuff that's that's a that's a win the 2015 they turned into you know Hannafin and uh, and uh, Lindholm. Lindholm via via the trades, but I mean, I think you want to maximize, especially assets. You know, you, you had it on the blue line. You don't have a lot of depth because you lost Bell Mackey for nothing. So I think that sort of leads them to be a little bit hungrier in terms of what can we get that we can keep, what can we get we can flip, what can we get that we can maximize in the future. Because I think if you look at this asset chain that they're on, they turned. Some expiring assets that year. That was the year in 2016 or 2015, rather, where Glenn, Curtis Glencross was a, a pending UFA. They flipped him to uh, to Washington for a couple of picks. Uh, 
Ben Verici didn't yeah. work out. They he requested they, a trade. He requested trade, and they sent him to a good spot, and they got a pick back. And as a result, they went into that weekend with a bunch of you know picks in the first two rounds, and they were able to to maximize. So I think you know, if you're the Flames, you want to get as many picks as you can, or at least as many chips, as many well, things you can push and move forward and flip later. I I look at the last two times the Flames acquired a defenseman. And it, at at you know at the draft, you, you mentioned this uh, last uh, last good old Dougie Hannafin. No, Dougie Hamilton and and uh, Travis Hamonic, different levels of defensemen. I think we know, but they gave up the same price: a first and a second round pick for Dougie. And that was they were able to leverage that because there was some there was some contract strife in Boston, so they had to also negotiate a contract. Uh, uh, Hamannick, on the other hand, so many H's. Hamannick, on the other hand, had a contract that was very good value, and that was part of why his price was as high as it was. Yeah, and in, but again, that was a first and two seconds. So to me, that should be what you're looking for for a guy like Hamannick. And, and at the time, I mean, for, for Travis Hamannick, in retrospect, I think the Flames, there's a perception out there they overpaid based on attributes that they felt they didn't have. They he was a. a I mean, I do think they overpaid. I think that they overpaid. It was not a great trade, but. That was you can kinda, he, he was a sexy defenseman. He was a name yeah. that we knew was on the block, and that was that. That's a good going rate to try to get something especially, equivalent to here, especially for a Hannafin who can you can put him into basically any game situation you need. If you're acquiring him, you got a top four blue liner that can basically you can put him anywhere. And if you're a team that thinks you're close and you're going, uh, you know. Case in point, the Calgary Flames in 2018 thought that they were a Travis Hamannick away from making some noise. And so they arguably overpaid for attributes they felt they didn't have yeah. in order to fill some gaps. Yeah. Every team will look potentially, I think, at the attributes that Noah Hansman has and goes, damn, we could use more of that. Yep. And that will keep a lot of teams in the mix and potentially boost up the return. Uh, the more teams you get talking, the more teams who... Uh, think they want this shiny toy especially this was brought up uh i don't think we can use the uh the, the salty language that espn's greg wasinski used on twitter uh but he's quoted uh he talked to a few executives he quoted one about the uh pending ufa class this year and uh it's not good i won't use the language he used you can check his twitter uh we don't want to run afoul of the censors here but it's not a great outside of Dmitry orlov what high-end defensemen are there out there there, there aren't any so I, I do think that you're going to get a nice return. If Look, I don't want to trade Hannafin unless I have to trade Hannafin, but I might have to trade Hannafin because of the situation. Now, it's interesting as we move to Lindholm, uh, I'll read you a few texts here at 960-960. Um, this whole Hannafin for Nylander thing is, sure is fun. I, I don't know if, I don't even know if Nylander's going to move. Um, and the problem with that is the Flames are not in a great cap situation, and Nylander's going to go from just under $7 million to probably the $9 million range on a new contract. So There's no hometown discount, though? I, You know what? He spent the most memorable years of his life in Calgary. Oh, no, no, he didn't. Um, look, I'm a big William Nylander fan. I'm a larger fan of him than a lot of other people are. I, I don't buy into the Nylander soft or Nylander can't get it done in the play. I, I think Nylander is an uh, extremely high-end talent. I just worry about the fact that he's going to go from 6.9. Like, what's that next contract going to look like? He'll be in the 8.5 to 9.5 range with the points that he's able to put up. That, that's probably what you're looking at uh, when it comes to his next contract. But if you're the team 
who has him or a team that requires him, if he puts up the kind of numbers where you're going to have to pay him a ridiculous amount of money, you know, it's it's like the old-fashioned thing. Like, you know, I, I think, you know, when we heard the numbers being bandied about for Johnny Gaudreau, for example, last summer, I think there was the two schools of thought were, oh, God, that's a lot of money, followed by, yeah, but he'll probably score a lot of points, though. So I think, you know, it's, it's, it's I can understand this ticker shock, but William Nylander is pretty good. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm with you there, though. I, I don't know if there's a fit. And I think, you know, if you do that, you almost need to make other moves, though, because I think, you know, if you're the Flames and you're projecting out, uh, you know, for, for the very nerdy out there, there's a there's a caveat in the, in the new CBA where the the cap will only go up by a maximum of 5% a year after the, the escrow debt is paid off. So at the end of this season, you know, the coming season, the escrow debt can be fully paid off after the cap goes up by a million bucks. And after that, it's, they you know, they can raise it by more, but there has to be by mutual consent of the league and the players. And they're kind of hesitant because then it'll lead to more escrow stuff. And then we'll be back in the same situation we were five years ago with escrow. So it's probably going to be only about a five, 5% bump in the cap every year for the next few years until it, you know, it catches up a bit. So if you're the flames, you could probably project out what your cap number is going to be for the ceiling for the next few years. But then you also have to sort of work backwards and sort of figure out your cap structure. So if you're going to be, you know, acquiring some future cap commitments or someone you'll need to sign for a while in a Hannafin trade, you got to kind of work backwards yeah, for sure. and to move some things out and make it fit. So this from Jeff who says, I've come to terms. They may lose Hannaf in the past few days, but I really hope the flames find a way to re-sign Lindholm. Elias is so valuable to this team going forward. In my opinion, his skill set will age well. With that said, if he doesn't want to be a flame, you have to deal him soon. In my opinion, the Chris Johnston article today gave me a bit of hope that Lindholm may be willing to stay more than Lindholm's exit presser for sure. That comes from Jeff, who says, go Flames. Um, yes, Chris Johnston threw out there that uh, it's his belief that Lindholm is open to staying. It's just what is that contract going to look like if he ends up doing? Look, I'm of the opinion, and and them moving away from Daryl Sutter, I think, moved the needle for Lindholm, without question. I, I know it moved the needle for Lindholm. Will it move it enough? We'll find out. But... I much like Hannafin. I don't want to move Lindholm and have to unless I have to move Lindholm. And so if I can get him for eight times eight and a half or eight times eight point seven five, I'm doing that before I'm trading him. And I know that you can't keep everybody. And by signing him to a deal like that, there would have to be sacrifices elsewhere. But as Pike, I said, think said last week on the show when we were talking about this in a similar vein, if you trade away Elias Lindholm. Now you're spending the next five to ten years trying to find the next Elias Lindholm yeah. because he's the number one you, center on your team would, that you haven't had for a long time. Would you say best flame center since Joe Newendike? Um, and the only person, no knock on the current GM because he had a good run. The only guy that I would put kind of in that conversation would be those couple of years of Lanko when he was a point per game player. Yeah, like Lanko, Lanko point per game when he was getting uh, late your uh, Selkie consideration most of the time too. So he had those he had those two years where he was dynamite. Yeah, yeah, but I mean that's when, when we we haven't had uh, a Joe Newnike in town since 1999, actually 1996 rather 1996. I forget who they got in that trade for him. I, the name doesn't ring a bell. Uh, Jerome something. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I think. You know, he's you. he's the kind of center that, you know, you, you trade him and you're going to drive yourself nuts trying to find another one. And, you know, if you look at the flame system, you know, Connor Zary, 
good, but he'll need some time. I don't think Matt Coronado ends up being a center at the NHL level simply because he's so much better on the wing. At least we saw him at the World Championships where he was excellent on the wing. He was decent as a center, but he wasn't used as a center in the, the high leverage games. He was leaned on offensively in the other games as a winger. So I think if you're the Flames, do you have anyone in your system that you think has not just high end center quality. There is not, there is not a future Lindholm in the organization right now. Full stop. There's yeah. not. Yeah, exactly. And so, so now you're looking at having to draft him in the next one to three or four years and then wait for that to develop. And who the hell knows if it's going to happen. And they had to swing a trade involving Dougie Hamilton and Adam Fox in it just to bring this guy in. So it's just, again, if he's not going to sign, you have to trade him and that sucks but if he is willing, then you got to pay him. And yeah. I know there are people like you can't pay him over seven or you can't pay him. A, Why you, not? This guy's a point or a close to point per game guy with 30 goal potential who is a Selkie trophy candidate or a Selkie trophy like player on a year in year out basis. That not, ends up getting you eight and a half to nine million dollars a year he, he in was, the current market. He was runner up last year sure and was. awkward, like weirdly close to Patrice Bergeron. He was, I liked overall the ballots after the voting was announced last year. You know, it wasn't just, you know, the handful of Calgary voters pumping the tires of Elias Lindholm. People across the league were screaming from the rooftops that outside of Patrice Bergeron last year, he was the best uh, defensive forward in the entire league. That is nothing to sneeze at. And if you're the second best in anything to Patrice Bergeron, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're not as good as a first ballot hall of famer. I think you're doing pretty well. And if you have one of those guys, you you know, you got to pay the money. If they're willing, you got to pay the money to keep them around because they don't grow on trees. He is Ryan Pike. He's on Twitter at Ryan and Pike. My name is Pat Steinberg. Taylor Dingman, Cam Hughes have been our producers this hour. Eric Francis joined us this hour as well. And that'll wrap us up on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe, even through employee turnover. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.